Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. CLCI Live at 4 o'clock here on Tuesday, and today we have a very secretive topic that we're <laughs> discussing. Um, we will actually be talking about confidentiality and coaching. Um, kind of exploring when to establish it, malpractices of confidentiality, uh, when you could potentially break confidentiality, if that's ever a thing, if that's a possibility. Um, hopefully we have time to discuss that. And I think a really good way to begin this live stream would be asking you guys um, about the importance of confidentiality in a coaching session. Um, and must it happen? Let's probably we probably should get that out the way too. Should it be something that is occurring? Maybe this is just a silly question to ask, but I want to ask. Let's is that something? Kind of confidentiality. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. So okay, there we go. That's a good place to start. You're right, Brooke. What is confidentiality? What does that mean? Um, in general, and then we can, I guess, flex into the coaching space, what that means in a coaching space. Yeah, yeah Brooke, continue. What is what is confidentiality? I'm muted myself. Uh, <laughs> so confidentiality um, has the word confidence in it, and confidence is sort of like a, a word for another word for trust. Usually when someone has self-confidence, they've got trust in themselves. When you have confidence in others you they have your trust and you trust them to do something so when we talk about confidentiality usually in the non-legal sense and just the um you know the run-of-the-mill sense we're talking about keeping secrets and not saying any more than you have to and being uh trustworthy with a person's personal information all that comes with confidentiality so you're not if somebody tells you something in confidence, that means there's an understanding that you're not going to go blab and tell everyone. Um, you know, but, you know, gossip is fun, so we tell people sometimes. Um, I can't any sort of confidentiality, so don't tell me anything. You are gossip. the contrarian. <laughs> yes. I'm going to plug my mic in really quickly, guys. So the confidentiality is definitely an important aspect of our coaching while we don't have you know the law that says we're we're under HIPAA and we're under these confidentiality guidelines it's still a really important aspect of our coaching session to not go and talk about clients to not go and share about their names and details about them one of the things i was reading earlier what if you work for a corporation and the coachee you're working with at that time works for that corporation? Where does that confidentiality end and begin? What do you think, Jerome? That's a, see, you, you read my mind. I had that prepared for us to discuss. Um, so, yeah, confidentiality and say you are hired on like in a corporate space um, as a coach. Do you report back to the employer? Or is that uh, still, a, you know, a, that's a conversation that's kept between you and the client that your employer did hire you on to coach? Exactly. I think that's very interesting because, I mean, as an employer, you probably maybe want to know, you know, about the 
potential success of these sessions and how do you gauge that without actually explaining what's going on in those sessions um i think you keep that completely confidential between as even if you are in a corporate space yeah. as a coach and client that should still be a confidential conversation session um i think an employer sorry brick go ahead you we can't actually guarantee confidentiality. I know. No. I mean, we cannot full full disclosure and agree confidentiality, like to total confidentiality. And mm -hmm. and there's a number of things and reasons that we cannot as coaches. And one of them is that rule of re referring out of reporting that report that um, moment. And uh, so at that point, confidentiality will have to be broken, right? Um, so there is there are we cannot ever. 100% guarantee confidentiality at any point. Now there are ways to safeguard, et cetera, but just so, but also if it's in a corporate space, if you, you don't talk about my business to anybody, except me, if I'm like, like you talk to me, owner, like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're employed by a corporation, you follow whatever confidentiality rules, the corporation that your employer sets for you. So as far as being a coach, an ICF coach, there's no laws, but they are not going to, the ICF and I guess other coaches in general will not take kindly if you break confidentiality and there's that sort of conflict between what your employer wants from you and what the ICF dictates as good ethics. So, so. There's, there's two parts to that contract that we're talking about, that confidentiality contract. One, the employer sets the stage of what they want to happen. Two, that employee is aware of what the employer is looking towards and what that communication um, is to entail between either the coachee, um, coach, or the sponsor, which is the corporate office. So that gets determined between all of us, essentially. And then the other confidentiality pieces between me and my coachee really need to stay confidential except for those pieces as determined by the group uh, mm -hmm. to release that information, which is a, a lot to say, uh, be careful. <laughs> and also when we're talking about confidentiality, everybody should know either if you're working for a corporation or if you're not working for one and you're employing yourself, whoever you're employed with yourself and the person you're coaching all need to be aware of what the confidentiality agreement is and what is what info is and is not kept confidential I'll, i mean take it a step further I, I think that that we as people really have no clue how not confidential things really are in our lives like um we, we there's a reason there's a cookie policy and a privacy policy that everybody agrees to now that is all based around privacy and privacy protection on the internet and um uh, the expectation of privacy, I think, as far as people go, is we, we, I think, think we are getting a degree of privacy that is much higher than the true to God uh, level of privacy we are, in fact, getting. Uh, they say that 75% of everything you do on the Internet is tracked. It's probably a higher number right now. Um, yeah, I would agree. By folks like myself. <laughs> um, and I only say that because mostly it's tracked for marketing. It's not like tracked for the big scary reasons everybody thinks, but it's mostly. I think marketing is a big scary reason. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, and I yeah, and I happen to be well, a marketer as well. We don't want your social, is what we're saying here. We're not looking for that. Your social media, not social security. <laughs> so let's let's challenge what we were saying about that corporate, and then 
confidentiality. What if you're a mom hiring a coach for your teenage kid? Oh, well, that teenage kid confidentiality is out, man. You're a teenager. You have no rights. <laughs> uh, I think, well, in that case, it would be up to the, the, I mean, you have to, to some degree to garner that level of, um, I guess, create that safe space for the, the teenager, say, I mean, but yeah. when, what are the lines, though? And that all has to be discussed prior to, I would imagine. Yeah, setting so that agreement also is discussed before. And usually, you know, when you're talking with the parent, now this is not in granite. You, you find out what working with young people, there's certain criteria you do have to meet, like go getting fingerprinted and all that good stuff. But on the flip side, agreement can look like, um, you, mom, understand that anywhere, if anyhow, that I'm supposed to get into anything with your your team here, there's got to be some confidentiality going on or we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And then what, as a group, we're discussing, you know, if there's anything harm to self, harm to others, or anything that feels like an emergency, but what's an emergency, right? It feels like an emergency that the, the teen and I will come to you and share with you that information. That's typically what a lot of people do in that situation. I will, what was interesting for me, I had a, um, like a mentee that worked with me for a while and he was, he started, he started working for me when he was 17, like, and he just wanted to learn from me. And I was like, you can't even come near, like we can not work nothing until I have like a total, like, like I need a, your parents to sign something. I need like, and, and, and I was surprised though. His parents were like, they were just told, yeah, he can do whatever. And I thought that they would be a little more concerned, but um, especially uh, for somebody who's my, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, yeah. and a boy. Like, it's going to be very yeah. awkward space to be in. Um, but I, I made sure I everything liability, like I was like indemnification, um, just everything you can imagine. What, what's interesting, though, if we're talking, and this is just throwing it out there, like on an NDA standpoint in that regard, if, if you couldn't hold, I mean, how you can't hold the underage minor to a contract, right? So that's why the contract has to be with the adult parent. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting situation to be in. I'd have to peruse the contract because there's a lot of agreements that go on between coach and client when that coach client agreement is signed. And it's not, in fact, that the, 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 the teenager is not really opting into any of it at the end of the day or not legally stand, right. legal standpoint. So um, again, not coached at teenagers, so I would have to, to learn more in that case. The, the bottom line, confidentiality is still the direction we're working in, even with parents and the corporation, because if we're able to get any work done, there has to be some sort of line that doesn't get crossed so the coachee can feel safe and disclosure of what they need to in that present position. The, the, so we've been talking about all these spaces about when to keep confidentiality, but when do we as coaches break it? Yeah, harm to self, harm to others. There's tons of times. I can think of like four or five. Refer out. Also, when we get testimonials, when we have to submit, uh, when we have to submit a session to PCF, right? We have to, I mean, there's a release of information that gets signed when doing that, but still, it's a, that is a technical break of confidentiality. If you were to talk about a client in your marketing and maybe, you know, we, you're not giving specifics, but 
I see coaches do it all the time. I had a co- I had a client win. I had a client win. I had a client. And so is that a break? You're breaking. Well, in essence, you're breaking confidentiality, even though you're not giving specifics. Correct. Um. I, I mean, not specific. not technically, because there's sort of the understanding that you can talk about a client as long as you don't give away names at all. Like if you're talking about like a client with another coach, like a colleague or something like that, and you're not giving away specifics, there's an understanding that that's okay because you're talking about it from a professional standpoint. Um, And even like in HIPAA, let's just say, or in like the medical industry, you can talk about cases, but if you give away specifics for who this person is or any sort of identification, that's where you get in serious trouble. But I mean, who knows where that line is, though, too, at the end of the day, like what somebody can. I, but uh, so so we know in, in the confidentiality agreement or the coach client agreement given by ICF, it says this coaching relationship, as well as all information documented and verbal that the client shares with the coach as part of the relationship is bound by the principles of con- confidentiality set forth in the ICF code of ethics. So that makes me go shoot, I need to go get familiar with some codes of ethics. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I do know it's statement three. <laughs> um, that much I do know. So what does the ICF code of ethics say exactly, I wonder? Um, their definition, as you know, is protection of any information obtained around the coaching engagement unless consent to release is given. So, so any yeah. information whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, so with that definition in mind, I think truly the only time um, it would be ethically, excuse me, ethically okay to break confidentiality would be, again, if, you know, to cause harm uh, to self or others. When that occurs, um, that's an instance where you're not discussing with your client that, you know, I'm going to share this information. That's just kind of something that should be, you know, shared outside of that session um, just for, you know, everyone's health. Reading number three, it says maintain the strictest levels of confidentiality with all parties as agreed upon. I'm aware and agree to comply with all applicable laws that pertain to personal data and communications. So that's also the, that protection of, of their, when they pay you, when you invoice, when all of that, there's, there's all these, these nuanced things that come into owning a business and actually accepting money from somebody. Um, and credit card information too. And I think that that's what that end bit there comes from. The One of the questions we get in class a lot is how long do I hold on to information for? Like, you know, whatever you have. And there's really no law that requires us to, right? There's no there's no government. Or there's, ICF doesn't say you have to hold on to your notes if you have notes for any length of time. They do say if you're going to have them, it's under lock and key or code protected or... Um, as best as possible that privacy i don't i take note just particularly jot down some concepts and then i shred it and throw it away so i don't keep them it's just usually for that that session if i need to remember something they also i also provide a notebook for the clients should they want to take notes they have the opportunity to do so if they want so i'm reading it interesting it says coaching is a confidential process the notes taken during the coaching sessions are confidential Sometimes people forget to think about what it means and how to protect confidentiality. For example, if a coach takes notes, takes notes on a company-owned computer, then the notes are not confidential. Uh, if the notes are sent via company email address, then the notes are not confidential. 
Bottom line, company computers and emails with all uh, they contain and are owned by the company, including everything contained within it. So it's, it's interesting, something that people may not think about, right, in that space is, um, is if you're in that corporate space and you're sending emails to anybody uh, back and forth or even to one of your clients, let's say you're, you are a corporate coach and, and you're emailing and you have that, that company email, not a confidential email at that point. Well, it's, it's not confidential in the sense that the corporation can look at it, whatever they want. It's confidential wow. probably in the sense you can't show people outside of the corporation. Um, they most definitely have confidentiality agreements about that, about showing internal emails and stuff like that. So uh, what happens if there are no notes from the coaching session? It, so note taking is a big thing. Like that's Hopefully you have a good memory. Yeah. <laughs> well, those notes can be, they, I mean, that is uh, right there. You've got to protect those, as Lisa said, under lock and key, and that includes the handwritten ones as well, right? Um, what happens, Lisa, in the case of if we have, if, if I am uh, in a couple, right? I'm married, let's say, to somebody, and we were coaching, but now we've been coach, we, we were, you were a coach for a few years, but we're getting a divorce now. And something happened within the marriage, whatever. And the angry, we'll say, husband goes, the coach had, Dave's there. The coach can attest to what happened. Get the subpoena the coach and get the coach in here to share, right? And what do you do as a coach at that point? You have to go. <laughs> you don't have any options, you know? You, tell, you, you check with a lawyer on what you can and can't say. You have a lawyer. Um, and go with the um, with the lawyer and their recommendations. I mean, that's what you've got to do, but you've got to follow the law. You can't ignore the law. <laughs> if you're subpoenaed, you go in. Yeah, you have to. I mean, regardless. Well, let's, let's say you're not subpoenaed, but but you've got, let's say, say husband and wife still married. Husband calls and says, I'm worried about my wife. What has she been talking to you about in the session? If I'm only seeing the wife, I don't, I don't acknowledge that I've seen her or not seen her. If it's just her, I'm seeing. If it's the couple, and the couple are coming in individually, then I will. T so it's it's basically sometimes I'll see a couple and it's still part of the coupleness, which is meaning there's no secrets like that, and that's what I say. But I'm also not going to talk to the husband without the wife being present. So what I will do is say, let's let's have a um, session, let's have a conversation, and let's understand what you're asking here so we can have a full conversation around that. I think this also needs to be said. If you're the if you're ever subpoenaed and you have notes or documentation or something on a computer, um, confidentiality also doesn't include illegal activity. So whatever you do, do not burn your notes, do not delete information, do not destroy evidence, you are going to dig yourself a very nasty grave if you do that and well, you're I, found out. So no, don't well, do that. I, Lisa, one of the things Lisa had mentioned before though in this space is that she did not take extensive notes Yeah. so that she could, if I mean, if ever put in that situation, genuinely, you know, uh, not have a clue, right? Genuinely um, be able to do plausible deniability, right? At that point. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, the notes make it very concrete 
uh, once they're down. Um, th th this is also a situation we get as a school. So as a school, we will on occasion, not often, have, and it's happened recently, have somebody call in. I had a woman call in and she said, I want to check and see if so-and-so is certified with you guys because I'm going to report her. Um, did she get her certification with you? And we as a school cannot say a thing. We, we even have, when, even when people call for us to ask for references, uh, oh, we just want to, you know, verify certification. We can't help you until, unless we get expressed written permission from that person. And we cannot reach out and contact that person. That's up to whoever's call. You need to have them contact us uh, if they, in fact, you know, need to, et cetera, and on from there. But we cannot confirm or deny anything. Um, it's the same as a coach, right? Um, apart from when ICF calls and asks, were, were they coaching with you during this time, right? I mean, that's a yes or no, uh, and that is the one time we would answer that, right? Uh, so, yes. Yeah. Perfect. I like that segue. What about ICF? What can be shared? What should be shared with ICF? What isn't necessarily I don't think I'm going to share with ICF either. Not I, unless I've gotten permission to share. So I even if they call and say, did you work with so-and-so? I'm not going to well, say. But if we're verifying coaching hours. Yeah, that's exactly why I bring this up. Although that's where there the might be coaching, some confusion around that. Yeah. And Coach, coaching hours are different in that we have had our clients aware that they've signed a contract stating we're, we're providing ICF, International Coach Federation, acknowledgement of the hours that we work not of any coaching session or any information that's shared. Do you agree and approve of our sharing that detail? Just it's the start, when we started, when we stopped, how many hours we've worked with you, and if it was a paid coaching gig. And that was the release of information that happens. Like that is in, in the contract. Um, uh, an important imperative um but they won't call and ask more than yes or no questions just like um it, it, legally if your boss is calling to verify your um what is it called your uh references your references yeah. they're not allowed to ask anything but yes or no questions period and they can't ask about your performance they can only ask if you were that worked there and things of that nature Everything actually i got something somebody was confirming um employment and they did ask those questions not technically legal at least in california yeah let me uh let me see if i can find it hang on a second while you guys continue I'll read i was it. gonna add it as well as we don't say if somebody took our classes or not there is a way you can verify if somebody's icf accredited that is allowed they have a database that you can search up somebody to see if they're accredited as in got their acc or pcc or mcc with the icf and I think credly. it'll tell you the date, but that's credly. about it. Credly, credly, credly. <laughs> well, credly, you are allowed to, to share your information as well. You can do with your badge and certificate however you want. Um, A different way, though, that if you wanted to verify as well. Yeah. As well. You, well, I don't even... I'll have to check on credly. What, to see if you can what is credly? I feel like we haven't discussed that live yet. Credly? What is Credly? Yeah. Credly? Digital Credly. badging. <laughs> what is also, digital badging? For, so you also opt in for digital badges. So when yeah. you yeah. graduate from Certified Life Coach Institute, you now can get your paper certificate or digital badge. And every single student is sent a form whether or not they would like to opt in for digital badging. And if you would so like to decline, you may. 
If you don't, you get a digital badge um, that's hosted on the Credly platform. So we're not just making badges for people willy-nilly. You have to sign up and opt into it. Well, and there's no harm nor foul to sign up for it and not use the badge, but have access to it for when you're ready to use it. I interrupted you, Brooke. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say the badge, I mean, uh, the badge themselves provide a value for the students in the sense that that it it links to us, it links to ICF, and it it is a way to verify that you're trained for people to look and see that you're actually trained, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with the way Credly works because the badges are uniquely coded. So they have a metadata metadata that means that they can't be copied, which is, is um, a very cool thing. We're also getting new paper certificates. Um, anyways. <laughs> okay, so here's those questions I found. The employer out. has a question too, just so you know. Um, what what the employer asked here is what do you, what would you consider the subject's greatest strengths or personal characteristics? And they have space for please comment on the subject's ability to work with others. Comment on the subject's written and verbal communication skills. Um, what do you feel the subject needs improvement on or further development in? What capacities would you avoid placing the subject? Well, this subject must have agreed to this information being shared prior to yeah. What thought would you relay to the subject's new manager? Would you recommend the subject to another company? Why or why not? So... Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's the, what's it, I mean. Tech, I mean, we must have agreed to that. That must be a process that was agreed to do prior to. Uh, I'm looking to see on this letter if it shows me. It does not say that they, or nor is there an attachment showing me that that was an approved request. So let's also get one thing clear. If you're ever confused, check with your state laws. That's important. For example, um, in California, life coaches are not considered mandated reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the last I checked, it was very recently. That could be very. That could be completely different in a different state or country. What you're in, check the local laws, and if you get in trouble, get a lawyer. <laughs> no? I, I haven't really heard too many people having any issues with this, though. I mean, I think everybody wants to hold that confidentiality. I think everyone oh. is. You know, and everyone's like a blanket, I, and I know there's no such thing as a blanket, but in general, I think that the the rule of thumb in coaching is to keep that confidential space. It's it's integrity. It's be a good human being. Like like no. Now the, another weird gray space though is the space of um, testimonials and requesting them and. And even um, one of the great things you can do as a new coach um, is to to coach for testimonials early on. So because that really having a slew of amazing testimonials is money in the bank later, essentially. Right. Um, so uh, making that trade. But that would be, again, something you would agree upon prior to with your client. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say I have been coaching all day and it was a heck of a day and I uh, go home to my significant you mean like today. No, yeah. right. <laughs> I go home to my significant other and I, I just, I want to download. I want to just, do we download? Even Probably though they'll download ever. You like should either. look behind me. See what that says? <laughs> I'm just, oh, I'm secret. playing the devil's advocate here. I'm playing. I'm just gonna, I mean, yeah. Now, I what if I have a therapist? Can I talk to my therapist that we're in our own space of confidentiality? That's about a good that? question. Or can I talk to my coach? 
So you still cannot so. give any specifics. You cannot talk about that person. You you can and um, have the ability to talk about how you're affected without any specifics to that other person. So let's if, talk if that sort of logic worked, like I could tell somebody as long as they keep the information well, confidential. Marriage, you know, the husband and wife. There is that 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 what is they what is that called? Um, the, the protection between the, the secrecy of between what is that called? Well, we're not we're not talking about legally. We're talking about ethically well, as far as ICF is concerned about confidentiality. If you tell somebody and then say, OK, but keep it a secret. And they're like, yeah. And then they tell someone to keep it. A secret, that's not being confidential. If everybody is confidential with each other, then no one. That's probably not true, but very deep. That, I, I do not think that counts as far as the uh, ICF ethics goes. Which, by the way, uh, Lisa, what happens if I were to just be an accredited coach and flagrantly just break ethical conduct? I go when, on to you know the insert big TV show here, and I talk about my client Bob. <laughs> yes, you can go file. Um, ICF has a. I don't know. Remember what it's called? Claim? Are you going to call it a claim? It's you can go file a claim with ICF, and then they will investigate it, put a team together, and um, investigate with both parties what occurred, and go on from there. They will give you the death penalty if you break. Well, if you lose your credential. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also interesting. mm So no, there's a difference between confidentiality, privacy, and secrecy. Like they're the three, they have nuanced differences, but they actually are different uh, in in the eyes of other, in, in well, just in general. Um, in the eyes of ICF or in the eyes of the general public. ICF just talks about confidentiality, right? But there's there is there is a, a privacy thing. There is, a, I mean, with the website, we're dealing with privacy, right? We're dealing with uh, when you're accepting money, we're dealing with privacy. We're not dealing with confidentiality at that point. We're dealing with privacy. Um, uh, so it's just just subtle nuance differences, but they do in fact exist. Um, I don't know what where how secrecy works in there though. That's okay. And uh, anonymity is another thing too. Um, <laughs> uh, but so that was my question. When we say we don't give away the little the details, the defining details, what are what are defining details? I would say location, name, when and where this coaching session took place. Um, any other sort of details that could be used to identify a person readily. So, for example, if I said, if I was like, I coached uh, my client yesterday at 4 p.m., the client I coach in my office at this location, and we talked about his brother, Bob Johnson, and his sister, Mary Johnson, that's, you're not saying who it is, but you're pretty much giving enough information away. If I, also, if, if I'm a coach and I have two clients... Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sharing any details. I know it's it, one of those two. Right. <laughs> like if, mm-hmm. if, if, so that's even like the number of clients that you have uh, could f- come into play as an identifiable characteristic mm-hmm. yeah. in the case of confidentiality. So lie and say you have a ton of clients always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So part and of what I did to help with that privacy piece is to space the clients apart because I didn't have a front entrance and a back entrance and all that good stuff. I had one entrance. So 
um, I did my best to keep that privacy in honor. You can't have a, wanna... a conga line of clients yeah. waiting to come in through the door. You want to, you want one yeah. that has exited the building before the next enters, unless you have a space for them to do that transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Like back to back yeah. clients in the same waiting room. And well, yeah. Know. So I, one of my therapists, it's, doctors will do this as well. Um, as some, certain doctors that want, if you want confidentiality, where they'll, you have the waiting room where you come in as one person, then they put you in a room. You're not allowed to leave the room until uh, basically the, the waiting room is clear and then you're walked out. And then that's that, that way that the people aren't ever crossing paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just in the interest of there are some doctors that are very, that their clientele really wants that secrecy and privacy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's similar space. I think it's a matter of respect. It's a respectful thing to do for people. I mean, more so maybe in therapy or the psychiatry space, but in life coaching as well. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I did my best now and again, clients would cross paths because you had the really early show uppers and like, no, don't do that. No need to show up that early. <laughs> you do your best. And that's, and that's you do. The intention is to avoid that interaction and create that privacy and confidentiality for their experience. So, and it's also, it's not like a giant faux pas or a a hard and fast, you never break it. We've given examples when, when you do, or when it's built in, I would just say that discussion when, if you're going to be breaking it for the case of testimonials for ICF, you just, the discussion needs to happen prior to sharing anything and an agreement written agreement should be made. And if the yeah. client wants more confidentiality that is agreed to, you know, accom- reasonably accommodate them. Confidentiality, uh, all the. I want to wear a scarf, and a, I don't want you to. Even I want a, 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 a fedora with like the sunglasses. <laughs> so I have a conundrum. Let's talk about a conundrum. In this conundrum, there's two people we're coaching at a corporation who are striving to get the same position. Um, and we're coaching them both. What do we do there? What do you mean? What, with, where, are we, we're coaching them to get that position, and there are two of them going for that position. No, it's it's the same thing. In their hands, it's up to them. I coach yeah. them. It happens in the coaching. What happens outside of my office is none of my business. <laughs> um, right? does, it, does it behoove us, the no. coach, to say, I'm coaching or does that break confidentiality? Well, but we're in a corporate environment. There's a lots of conundrums. Well, in, I don't right? think we. Yeah. Well, the corporate environment it brings a lot of things into because, like, what in a corporate environment we are using assessments, right? We are, and those assessments and those details and those assessments are meant to be shared, and they're meant to be shared in the in in the interest of creating a structure and moving employees to areas where they can better excel, things of that nature. Um, and, so, and create ROI as well. Those assessments help return. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. all of it ultimately creates ROI because if you have a better operating machine, um, if, if you know if, if all the wheels are, are at their best, uh, then yeah. <laughs> the thing that's going to happen is, of course, you're going to function better and more effectively and efficiently as a company, and you're 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 going to increase your ROI. Um, but but that's an interesting space though because if I am a coach I am in a you know I'm coaching an entire team I'm assessing an entire team I have to go back to the boss and give recommendations based on these assessments and based on things of that nature as to where to and so that expectation of privacy kind of goes out the door right well, in that case you're not even like 
You're not a coach in the typical. Yeah, it's just going to go there. Team coach. You're in a consultant's hat. You're a consultant. Yeah. Well, and it's a team coaching space, and that's it's a whole different set of core competencies for those ones. Yes. Well, you're, it's it's not even like you're a coach per se. It's you're an employee who uses coaching the skill of coaching to get some result for the other employees well, and your no, boss, this, is, this is a very common space though that where where a, a coach is brought into a company let's say a company is just merged let's mm-hmm. say they lost then they've lost their leader right so now this company is in a space of turmoil and there there is um because of that this you know great transition a lot of times this is where a corporate coach or an executive coach will be brought in and it's not that they're coaching the executive it's that they're coaching the entire corporation essentially to get them back to a space of sort of homeostasis and and efficiency and effectiveness Mm -hmm. and that is why you use assessments that is why these things exist in the coaching space and that is to better know in those spaces where where your employees and where your people are going to function at their best Um, and that's also where the coaching comes in because we ask those questions we ask in that coaching space and they they open up and we also teach leaders the tools that a coach uses because it's so much better to be a manager with those tools as well. well. And conversely, it could be about the team, if we call it all those people, the team, assessing the C-suite as well. It works uphill too. Goes, goes, oh boy, does it go both ways. Yes, it does. And that's the thing is, is, and actually most of the time in those spaces, it is not the team that is the big issue. Most of the time it's the C-suite that is a big issue who is micromanaging, not communicating, who is doing things like that. And so it's about coaching them to a space where they can trust their employees and they can, you know, manage without having to be in that, that corporate or that, that, you know, if the fingers and everything kind of space. Um, and, and so a lot of times the C-suites need the coaching more than the employees. Absolutely. Um, the other thing with that too, in that, that corporate sort of space is if if there is a big goal a big directive a big you know something that that they they as a company want to reach sometimes they will bring a coach in at that time as well in order to sort of get everybody functioning at their 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 peaks and their highest levels um to reach said goal or and that's where value coaching and all these things come in and you can charge an arm and a leg because if they're going to reach the you know multi-million dollar goal you're going to get a piece of that darn it (laughs) um but that's sort of where that which is interesting in the negotiation space with those is a lot of times the coach will go well what is this what is this going to mean for you how much will this make you as a company and then the value-based coach pricing would go okay i i would like um x amount of that and 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 that's it's it's a it's a cool space but definitely a lot of power going like so Maybe a good way to think about it, about confidentiality in the space is not confidentiality with specific individuals, Your mm-hmm. confidentiality with the client. The client is the whole corporate, whole corporate. body. It's mm-hmm. that whole sphere that you're keeping confidential. The client at that point is whoever's paying your paycheck, honestly. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's whoever has hired you in and they are, have expressed this is what this is why you are hired. Um, that is who you are making the agreement with and signing the papers with. And so all of the, the legality lies between you and them. And within that contract, I would have it detail out the expectation of confidentiality with regard to their employees as well. It would just be a separate addendum to the contract, I would say. Yeah. 
sorry. Just got all excited about corporate coaching. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm going to mute myself again. <laughs> I wanna, eventually, I want to see a corporate coach in action doing their thing. Yeah. I haven't had that um, opportunity yet. Yeah, this is definitely a space I'm not 100% familiar with. I am interested just listening uh, to Brooke talk about it. Really I, just, I mean, I wish I had had these tools when I was managing a team of, you know, 1,500 people. Um, because I mean, I think there was some innate uh, empathy was always something I was quite good at. Asking questions was something I was good at and not jumping to conclusions is something I was good at, um, at least for my employees. I jumped to the conclusions when it came to guests complaining about my employees. At that point, I was like, you're wrong. They're fine. Go away. <laughs> I just always had their back. Um, but but it, it, there are so many tools that could have come in so very handy uh, in the in the coaching space for me there that that would have been wonderful to have um, uh, as a manager of that many human beings and trying to get them all to get along, show up to work, and uh, <laughs> sign their paperwork, <laughs> not fight with each other. Now now Brooke's just airing her grievances. Not not get naked in, in front of other people at work like common sense Brooke, could you probably let the viewers know what exactly you did that would require all this or like at least what space you were working in i ran i ran um i ran the creative for 15 amusement parks but more more uh, and biggest and most when i had those many that many people working for me was I would we would swell up for three months when we would do Halloween Haunt or Not Scary Farm, which is a giant Halloween event, one of the biggest in the world. And we would hire in uh, alone. We would hire a thousand monsters, um, not probably twelve hundred because we would figure a lot of them would fall off. And then um, we would also which which monsters you can imagine what kind of people those are and having to manage them. Um, and then on top of that, we we're having to hire techs. We we're having to hire carpenters, builders, propsmen everything you can imagine just to get the event up and keep it running. And then also the shows, it was, it was it's, there's a lot of wheels and, and, and things happening in that, that all has to happen at the same time. Which reminds of working in maybe the inter entertainment industry, because you encounter this a lot, okay. but also, well, yeah. well no, no, I, I was thinking about the, this topic I was thinking about, because this pops up a lot in entertainment, but some clients yeah. will make you want to sign this is an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. I think everybody in my life has signed an NDA. Like, I don't think I know many people. There's not many people in my existence that have not signed an Brooke, can you explain? I know, I'm hearing feedback somewhere. I'm going to mute myself. That's better, I think. No, I think it's me. I think it might be playing twice. I don't know. Although that's better now. Yeah, it's uh, better now. But what was your question, Anthony? I was going to say, uh, for those who don't know, what or who've never signed one, what is a non-disclosure agreement? Well, and the okay, non-disclosure agreements are a little bit of taboo space. I mean, everybody knows, but didn't we just have a presidency that like wrote the whole thing around NDAs? Yeah. Um, like, Where, uh, like, you can get people to sign them. That doesn't mean they're enforceable. Enforceable is another thing. Now, the, the fact that they exist, though, do keep people kind of from sharing uh, and from thinking of that nature but there are areas where these kind of things very are very important like in copyright law in trademark law these are all different sort of versions of the nda so you would in, in the entertainment industry you would sign an nda because if i have a film and i have a story that's never been told before right so i've got a script it's a one-of-a-kind script i don't want somebody to steal my script i don't want that to happen i don't want someone to steal the story of any of it so the moment you before you see anything in film before you can even read a script 
you're off and signing an NDA. If, if, if I mean, if anybody who's worth their salt as a producer or is making sure you sign an NDA uh, immediately. In that case, more enforceable than in the case of like, you can't share anything about me and my personal life, the laws I'm breaking and all of these things like that. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't, just, um, uh, but, but in this case where you're protecting, you know, IP intellectual property, those kind of things are, are far more enforceable and come in handy. As business owners, honestly, having an NDA, if you're doing, if you have a product, whether even if it's a service, a program that you're putting together, um, a, a curriculum, it, it is beneficial to protect it in some regard under the umbrella of, of copywriting, trademarking, NDAs, um, how you run your business. The, the, if you have a secret way that your business is run that is not proprietary information you don't want anybody else to know about, people should be signing NDAs and confidentiality agreements without, without a doubt to protect protect the integrity of your business uh, and how it functions. So as a coach, going back to this confidentiality piece, are you, like your clients, do they have confidentiality with you, the coach? Meaning, can they talk about you or can they say whatever they want about you? I mean, absolutely, they can. Uh, I don't, unless there's something built into the agreement that, that requires there is an expectation of a return of confidentiality, they can do whatever they want, right? <laughs> um, so if they don't think you're a good coach, they're going to put that on. Yelp, they're going to put that on Google. <laughs> there, you are not protected. <laughs> um, it's annoying. Well, and that's the, the worst part, getting reviewed, like, in that space. Great point, Lisa. Uh, we have had, like, one or two reviews of people who didn't even take our courses. And it's like, that's how is that fair? Like, you can't leave a review. That, that's not even, it's, you didn't even experience the product. How is it? It's not, that's not fair. And so that space can be very annoying and, and, and often uh, sometimes detrimental um, and sometimes very um, sort of um, hurtful to especially burgeoning coaches, entrepreneurs, and, and, and people starting businesses. And they, it can cause a lot of panic and turmoil. So before you're a jerk and you leave me reviews, take a moment, cool down and think about it. There are just some people who want to see the world burn. They're just unavoidable, unfortunately. There are people out people there. People also just... deserve a one-star review. Well, two stars. Yeah, like, absolutely. One star yeah. should only happen in like extreme cases. But it's two or three or four, okay, I can live in that. So that's reasonable. But if the one star should be like, you kicked my puppy and you. <laughs> Punched me in the face. Yes, that's when the one star reviews could happen. <laughs> Not for like, you know, I had to wait for two minutes longer than I expected. <laughs> okay. I wish we could leave reviews for our clients and our students. Oh, I, yeah. I wish I could just be like, you're a one star client. I'm just going to no. make a Yelp no. for you and just. We don't have students with one stars. We, we no. have amazing yeah, students. No, but what no. if you had, if wish there is, there is some value there. To, if you had a client that you said, I can't coach you, I'm referring you out. You have mental problems, like, you know, or something like that. It almost would be nice if there was a way to put like a red flag over their head for other well, coaches. I mean, like businesses blacklist <laughs> people all the time. So like, you like know, if I'm, blacklist. if I am kicked out of a Denny's, 
and they take my photo and put it on their wall. They tell all the other restaurants. <laughs> Do they have like you know, a wall? Of sh- I've never seen a wall of shame. Of de- shame of yeah. de- I'm gonna look for. I'm, and I'm speaking from personal experience. Out of all the restaurants I've been kicked out of, they they will blacklist you. So maybe maybe. <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that think I want to know. Lisa, that's confidential information between my myself and my lawyer. And Denny's. And Denny's. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's not out of, it's not extreme for businesses to blacklist people for extreme circumstances. Yeah. You worked at a casino yeah. and you said that they have lifetime bans. Like they've longer than lifetime bans. And not well, not we had ninety nine year bans. Like nobody's lived past ninety nine year. And we had you. It was like you. We called it C filed. You got C filed. What does that mean? Well, you have to see their file before you can see before they're well, let. Say, <laughs> I can say that whatever business I may or may not have worked for, <laughs> the other businesses in extreme scenarios would let us know. Like our competitors would let us know that this person has, oh, you know. Something going but, on that we should not allow them into the casino. They do that in, in Vegas, like with card counters too. Like a card yeah. counter can get a reputation and and maybe only get caught in one casino, but they, they'll they'll talk to each other and be like this, which is not fair. If I can count cards, I should be able to play. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody's finding out so much great information about us. I got banned from all the restaurants. Brooke counts cards. Lisa, what are your uh, advices? I am perfect in every way. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so would it be reasonable, let's just say, if we had a, a real problem hypothetical student and we oh, wanted to let the other no. coaching companies know, don't Never. train this person. Never no. in a million years. I, Never, yeah. no. It's not my our business. Once they're not in our, it's not of our business what they do with their lives and where they go. It's not. Yeah. And that would be, and honestly, there comes a point when you are, when it's like, it's codependency almost or, or micromanaging or whatever it is where you're letting something affect you that much mm-hmm. that you feel the need to like, like pick up the phone and call. I, I mean, let go and move on. Like, yeah. unless they like murdered your family member, uh, in which case call the police, not yeah. other institutions. <laughs> so, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know that we would want to waste it's the time. It's not a life or death kind of in- instance. So there's no reason. I don't have that kind of energy. I mean, to yeah. be like, like I got to call every school out there. Like that would just, my life would be very exhaust. It's already. And that would just I mean, be not, not that we have, we don't think yeah, I was gonna say, we don't have that problem, but if we yeah, do, that's assuming that you know we've got problems like this. The bad coaching coach, hypothetical. Bad coach database. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they was there a website like a few years ago that was like bad boyfriend like oh database. God. No way. I'm pretty sure there was where girls would like well, they have, yeah yeah well it, bad I dates were bad boyfriends and they would like rate them so other girls could watch out for you them. know I am all for that, quite honest. Having done the online dating thing, I wish, I wish like there was a way to like get video testimonials of other women who had been on dates with these people. <laughs> Is there like a rating system in that in that role? I'm not. I don't think that's helpful. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing either, right? Because we all have exes. We all have had our are not the best moments, and those are very. 
spies and have, situation. We would, we would like to be able to have a clean slate and start over and maybe meet no. someone that likes okay, it. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. We're talking about I'm a five-star man. And now we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost done anyways. But uh, <laughs> Dating confidentiality. Um, the bottom line is be an inter, be have integrity, have integrity, and yeah. uh, use your common sense, your brain, and protect confidentiality so long as as it it can be and should be. Uh, and and talk to your client. Be upfront, I and mean, that's what client agreements they exist. Use them. Don't have don't coach without a contract. Just have boundaries. Have coaching agreements. Do NDAs if you got to do them. Don't do business without a contract, period. Like, you should not business. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Valerie Lawrence say, I had a client that stopped coming to me, but before she stopped coming to me, she said, all we have, all we have each other's phone numbers so we can keep in touch. In my mind, I'm like, yes, if you're a paying client. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing that, that, that's kind of like that cold, hard truth, like. I'm sorry, you're not paying me. It, it's been fun getting to know you, but we can no longer. Yeah. We can. We don't. Yeah, this is what happens. You are in control of your interactions. Uh, if you don't want to interact with someone, you don't have to. <laughs> well, and it's also for that example is somehow the client forgot what that boundary was and what she was doing with you. Yeah. Because yeah. of the, you know, the interaction being friendly, which it should be. Yeah. You're not going to be rude to your client. So Absolutely. I will say this answering phones for CLCI, we, there is that, that this is a boundary is a separate thing and I won't make it long, but, but there have been times where I have had to block like, because they just don't, it's like, they no, I'm not your best friend that I, I don't, I can't solve your problems. I can't, not your life coach. I have, this is a business. I mean, if you were, if we were, you, but I also, would not coach i mean like there's i have so many rules within the structure of what i do just not to cross boundaries and be unprofessional and enmeshment oh god it's also it's, it's not your personal phone number it's the business phone number so it's the business phone it, number but there have been times i've called out with my personal number and i regretted it <laughs> i've done that a few times myself i haven't regretted it yet but i oh, you know, fingers crossed that i will regret it soon. <laughs> so we're out of time though so jerome everybody signs sign us off I'm going to take a nap now. Thank you for <laughs> attending our mishmash of boundaries, confidentiality, NDAs, talking about return on investment. We kind of went all over the place on this show. Yeah, we did. It was fun. It's always it's fun. Sleepy. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us. I want to say one thing in short, um, confidentiality is just important for the effectiveness of a coaching session because that's so important in a coaching session is creating that safe space, which includes confidentiality. So to really just sum it all up, confidentiality is important. Make sure it is established before a session. Make sure you guys understand each other as far as what confident confidentiality means to each other as far as coach client is concerned. Because again, that's a very important factor in creating a safe coaching space and a good coaching session. Um, and with that, also. Oh, go ahead, Bert. Anybody out there watching, if you have uh, ideas, questions, concerns, anything you might want us to cover, topics, if you're a coach and you have uh, something that you just don't know the answer to or you want clarification on or if you want if you want to be a coach and you want more clarification, Anthony, as well, um, uh, leave a comment 
leave it, leave it, leave it. We will read them. We will review them. We will answer them. And we may even choose it as a topic and use it here. So um, we want to help you. We live to serve. And please, and I'm taking a nap again. Bye, guys. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.